This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. We had so much fun Saturday night, the very first looped show. I am just over the moon. It was so much fun interacting with you guys. And uh, we got some good news. If you weren't able to uh, to check it out, if you were not available Saturday night, uh, here's an update for you. Thanks, Johnny. With more details, here's Katrina Walls. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have an encore performance available for you to watch on the Looped Network. There are going to be a couple different options for that. So you can uh, go and get your ticket for the show that you can watch at any time. Anytime you want. Uh, from now or from later today right. until uh, next Wednesday. So Monday night, the... 19th. The today. The today night at 8 p.m. They tickets for the encore performance go on sale. It's uh it's on demand. So we've we've had a lot of requests, a lot of emails from uh, friends and listeners and freaks in other countries, uh, like Australia, where it's like the next day. <laughs> right. You're in the future, so you can't watch it. Um, so this gives you an opportunity to go to Looped to buy your ticket and you can still watch the show. It's, a, you know, it's a discounted price because it's, you know, it's right. not it's happening. It's a repeat. You know. Yeah. Um, but that is an option for you. And then if you missed out on the meet and greets, if that's something that you really wanted to do, we will have another opportunity for you to uh, get a ticket to that show it will be an encore performance but we will be doing meet and greets next wednesday yeah the 28th is it seems I right think so yeah. yes 28th yeah. so you you uh you can buy the package the the vips with the meet and greets sold out on the initial show so they asked us to um to make a few more available and so you can uh get a meet and greet we'll we'll chat with you uh i think we're, we're shooting for 6 p.m mm. On uh, Wednesday, the 28th, that's East Coast time. But you can watch the show whenever you want. Well, between Monday, today, 
uh, and next Wednesday. Yeah, midnight on yeah. Wednesday the 28th. So you've got a little bit of time. Yep. Uh, also, plans for our next Looped event are already in the works, and this one's going to be so cool. Slash painful. Well, yes, that's that all, too. That's all we're going to tell you yep. at this point. Uh, you can get your tickets for the Encore performance, theboxofoddities.com. And uh, if you missed out, here's a chance to, to check it out and do it on your own schedule. Thanks so much for uh, hanging with us oh on God. our Looped cast. So much fun. Yeah. What you got for me, my love? I want to tell you about Alexa St. Martin. He was an 18-year-old fur trader from Canada. You know, you just activated everybody's echo when you said his name. <laughs> true but i'm not going to say anything about how you need to add anything in particular to your shopping list so we're fine butt plugs he was at a trading post on mackinac island in michigan oh mackinac island yes do 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 is it you love that movie <laughs> Anyway, it's 1822, and Alexis, maybe I should call him something else. We'll we'll go with St. Martin. <laughs> and St. Martin was shot by a duck hunter in the stomach at point-blank range. It's actually said that the duck hunter was so close to him that when he shot St. Martin, St. Martin's shirt lit on fire. Oh, my God. So they, it was that close. Well, yeah, well, back in those days, they had, like, blunderbusses. Right, yes. And the bullet traveled through St. Martin's side, tearing a hole right through the wall of his stomach. Well, before we go any further, let me just point out that um, I know that blunderbusses were not widely used in the early 1800s. Uh, it was mostly muskets, but I don't want to get an email correcting me. Uh, the reason I said that is because um, blunderbuss is funnier. Yeah, it's fun to say. It's fun to say. Blunderbuss. Blunderbuss. Okay. Uh, probably that's not what you'd be shooting ducks with. A blunderbuss? No. Yeah, no. Anyway, so it was obviously very painful to be shot in the stomach. You know, that's not great. But there was a larger problem even. And that was that when, when St. Martin ate food... It would just fall out of his side. He'd uh, put I, food I, into his mouth. Yeah, and it would fall out of the blunderbuss hole. Yeah. Which means something entirely different than what I intended it to mean. But um, here's the thing. Yeah. It reminds me of Bugs Bunny, you know, uh, in the Bugs Bunny cartoons where he'll get somebody will get shot with, with buckshot and drink a glass of water and oh, all the water yeah. will come out like a well, Tweety Bird and Sylvester the Cat. That always happens. Like a sprinkler system. Yeah, Sylvester was... He's always getting shot full of buckshot right after he drank a lot of water. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Well, it's good to be hydrated at all times, whether or not you know you're going to be shot. Well, yes. Sure. That's true. So food's fallen out of him. And William Beaumont, who was working for the U.S. Army at the time, he was a surgeon stationed at a nearby Army post. He treated the wound. And obviously, he's very interested in what's going on here. Um, St. Martin was a healthy young fella. He was in his 20s. But this was a pretty severe injury. I don't, if, if I was shot pretty much point blank mm. with an old tiny gun. Whatever kind it is. Whatever kind it is. I don't think that getting a bite to eat would be number one on my list of priorities. Ow. You know, I could really go for a sandwich right now. Aw, oh, man. Oh. Fell out again. 
you just try again. Like, it's <laughs> like when you've got a vending machine quarter that won't work and you put it through and it comes right out the coin you slot and you're like, trying. oh, no. Yeah. Oh, come f- on. Cling, cling, cling. Cling, cling, cling. trying to flip the coin in with a little more right. pressure. Right. Well, you I'll trick you. With a sandwich. Beaumont decided that he would obviously do what he could for St. Martin, try to make this work. So he got him into a secure location where he was treating him, which obviously meant taking out a bunch of his blood because mm-hmm. he was recently shot. So he had naturally, <laughs> you want to bleed him out <clears throat> a little bit. Wow. And also another method of, of helping him out was to give him what was called a cathartic. It was basically like a super duper laxative. Okay. So first mm-hmm. he gets shot. Yeah. With an old-timey weapon. Yeah. Then his sandwich keeps falling out. <laughs> and so, yeah, laxative seems to be like the right, the next right, right. step. Right, after taking a bunch of your blood out. Right. Right, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I forgot that part. Well, so Beaumont observed that the hole was about the size of a man's fist. Banjo, could you settle, please? We're talking about a hole in a man. I know. It's very upsetting. So the hole's about the size of a man's fist. And, uh, of course, as I said, food's just fallen out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kept alive by way of nutritious enemas. What? I've never heard those two words spoken side by side. Yeah. So ever. you you got to put it up in rather than put it down through. Sure. And Nutritious enema. Mm-hmm. Never said that, ever. Yeah. It's a perfect moment. Well, eventually, his wound starting to heal. Uh, but it's not it's not great. The situation is not great. It's not healing over. The exterior part of the hole is healing to the stomach skin. No, oh, no. So it's fusing the stomach skin is fusing to the exterior of the hole, making a little window directly into his stomach. Those are also words that I've never heard set, said side by side together like that. A stomach window. Right. Soon, food began to stay inside St. Martin's stomach, which was great news. It's not just flopping out. Mm-hmm. And his bowels began to return to their normal functions. Once they stopped giving him that super laxative. My understanding that they didn't just leave it. Like, they put its little curtains up on his stomach window. Oh, really? So that, you know, you couldn't just, like peek in but he wasn't able to work like you can't just have a job at a fur company as as an indentured servant when you're you've got a stomach hole right with curtains on it and losing his job meant that he needed community support but i guess saint martin wasn't considered a local as i said he was from canada and apparently it's only people who are born within a certain proximity of yourself deserve to live so <laughs> Beaumont had a plan. He was able to like keep him around. He said that he would hire St. Martin to work for him as a servant. So he had St. Martin sign a contract pledging his indentured servitude to him. The problem is St. Martin wasn't great at reading. And this also in the contract included that uh, Beaumont was allowed to experiment on his stomach window. Oh, man. This is according to Frank Strauss, who writes for the Mackinac Island Town Crier. So, like, when winter came around, did he have to put on stomach storm windows? Because it's only fair. Yeah, well, it would be better than a screen. 
Sure. Sure. Yeah. The contract was signed in 1832, and it said that St. Martin would submit to such psychological or medical experiments as the said William shall direct or cause to be made on or in the stomach of him. Yeah, I would want to renegotiate that clause. Yeah, it's not a great plan, but not a lot was known about digestion at the time. So Beaumont saw this as a wonderful opportunity to take a sneaky peeky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wanted to see what was going on in there. So he, because he had this window to the stomach, he was watching digestion happen. And that was really neat. So he would watch St. Martin's stomach while he ate, or he would let him eat food, but then he'd go in through the stomach hole and take it back out no, and he would see not. what it looked like. No, Sometimes he... he'd dangle food on a string oh, man. and then pull it out and see like how quickly the stomach so, juices so do their thing. So it's kind of like culinary edging. Some of the experiments were not comfortable to St. Martin. For example, one time Beaumont had this idea where, well, maybe I'll just take out like a meal and put it in a sack and put the sack in the hole <laughs> and see what happens. Like, does he yeah. eat through the sack or what? Oh, how's that work? It's right. Bagged lunch. And uh, Beaumont noted the boy complained of some pain and uneasiness hmm. during this time. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're putting sacks in him. What kind of sacks? Like cloth? No, I don't know. They bags then burlap maybe yeah probably yeah that's what i was thinking like something you you, you carry beats around it's in itchy though oh. i don't think i would like that no. no at one point beaumont licked the inside of saint martin's stomach you know for science say what he wanted to see like if there was an empty stomach if there wasn't food in there what would be the difference between uh, licking a full stomach and licking an empty stomach? In the name of science. So mm. he determined that the stomach, when empty, was much less acidic because it wasn't pumping out those digestive juices. I, I, couldn't he have figured that out without, without no, you gotta licking, lick it. licking the guy's stomach? You got to lick his stomach. The inside of his stomach yeah. pouch? Stop it. That's a gross noise. St. Martin said that he felt some experiments uh, provided a sense of weight and distress at his chest, and he experienced slight vertigo and dimness of vision at times. Can you imagine what's going on in your body that a man is licking the inside of your stomach and you get, like, blurred vision? I I don't even know where to begin with that. That is... Um... Horrifying. Well, Beaumont determined that vegetables were digested much more slowly than meat, that milk coagulated early in the digestive process, and that digestion was aided by a churning motion within the stomach. But before that, the concept was kind of that your stomach mashed the food all up, like physically, right. and then, then you'd just dump it out. <laughs> Um, so this really aided a, uh, a window into the digestion process. Literally. If you will. Well, this state of affairs continued for years. Oh, that poor man. And Beaumont had promised that eventually he would sew St. Martin's stomach up. But during this time, though, St. Martin got married and he had six kids. With his stomach hanging out? Yep. Well, it wasn't hanging out. It was all in. Yeah, I know. But Plus, still. I'm, again, I'm sure they had some sort of curtain mm-hmm. or blinds system. Insulated blinds. Something. Yeah, keep him warm because he wouldn't give him a storm stomach window. <laughs> Reportedly, 
St. Martin and Beaumont did not get along well. They had a real personality <laughs> clash that probably was not helped by one of them occasionally licking <laughs> the other one's stomach insides. Right. Oh my God. Also, Beaumont didn't seem to like really respect St. Martin beyond the fact that he was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep your stomach hole open. Um, he called him ugly and he referred to his children as like livestock. He wasn't, he obviously wow. viewed St. Martin as a lesser than. Wow. So St. Martin went back to Canada in 1834, and he wrote to Beaumont and said he wasn't coming back unless Beaumont increased his pay significantly. And Beaumont was like, I'm not paying you. You don't really do anything. I mean, you like chop wood and stuff, but mostly you just got a hole in your stomach. He's got a hole in his stomach and the guy won't sew it up, Mm -hmm. but makes him go and chop wood. That's not a good recipe for healing. No, no. It didn't seem to really be his goal. Hmm. Well, Beaumont became the professor of surgery in the medical department of St. Louis University in 1837, and he published the account of his experiments in Experiments and Observations on the Gastric Juice and the Physiology and the Physiology of Digestion in 1838. Subtitle, Hey, That Tastes Funny. Mm, yeah, that was after the little semicolon. Right. Yeah, Yeah. in smaller font. Right. Beaumont drew 51 conclusions about digestion based on his observations and published this paper, which, as I said, they didn't know a lot about it before. So it was a big deal. Beaumont was then called the father of digestion. Like, I mean, he he gained a lot Mm -hmm. from this. But throughout this whole thing about his working in the medical department of the St. Louis University, he kept reaching out to St. Martin, wanting him to move to St. Louis so he could further inspect his inside bits. And St. Martin refused. He was like, no, you're you're really going to have to compensate me more. Um, <laughs> and stop licking the inside of my stomach, please. Right. Yes. Um, eventually, Sivu play. Beaumont passed away. He did a lot for the advancement mm-hmm. of how we understand what digestion does. There were those in the field who, after this all went down, really tried not to talk about it, though. It was not something that they were like, oh, yeah, this was an experiment that went on for years. (laughs) Totally. And when St. Martin passed away in Quebec in 1880, his family was so concerned and had been so scarred by this event that they waited until his body began decomposing to bury him because they didn't want medical people digging him up and trying to poke at his stomach hole or to try Mm. to like revive him or reanimate him somehow so that they could look at the inside of his stomach. Wow. Yeah. That was a very real fear. For them, yes. In those days, especially for them. Wow. Crazy. So there you go. That is the story of the father of digestion, I guess, and (laughs) uh, the man whose stomach hole gave him that title. That's just horrifying. Like, don't do that. No. The thing that concerns me the most about this is that it really seems like Beaumont just had a disinterest in what was best for St. Martin and was just really interested in his own advancement. Yeah. What bothers me the most is that he's looking inside St. Martin's stomach 
and he's thinking, I wonder what that tastes like. Mm, yeah, well, that's science. It's for science. <laughs> I see. Yeah, no, uh, that's um, that's not that's not how this works, boo. No, no. I got this information from IFL Science, from Wikipedia, of course, and from SmithsonianMag.org. Fascinating. Yeah. But crazy. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now, that thing in the middle. Well, it's a well-known fact that the U.S. Army uses robots to remove explosives and mines and to disarm weapons. This, of course, is to ensure the safety of the soldiers. However, the Army wasn't expecting this. Some soldiers have grown so attached to their robots that there have been several incidents where soldiers have risked their lives to protect them. Remember playing board games as a kid with your family? Oh, all the laughter, the love, the feeling of pure joy and acceptance. Yeah, neither, neither do we. This is The Box of Oddities. Want to listen to The Box of Oddities ad-free, you cheap little shit? Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Katie sent us uh, an email. She said, It's 6.50 a.m. I'm halfway through my cup of coffee, listening to the Box of Oddities episode 100 and something. You both start talking about native deodorant and Kat extrapolating on why she loves the smells. JG says, Native deodorant. Cat approved. My half-asleep brain tried to figure out why cats approve of deodorant. Uh, I laughed to myself when I figured it out. You meant cat, your wife, not felines. About 10 seconds later, JG says, You too can smell like cat. Having learned nothing, I spend much longer than I care to admit trying to figure out why you would want to smell like a cat. (laughs) Love you two weirdos. Thanks for the amazing podcast. Sincerely, Katie and Diggory the Cat. 
who no one would want to smell like. He is stinky. (laughs) Thanks, Katie. You're a stinky baby. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So here we go. Scientists are closely monitoring a problem in Siberia. Is it Icemen? Well, you're, you're in the same genre. You're nibbling around the edges there. All the time. That's what I'm doing. As it gets warmer, more and more warm. Um, permafrost is melting right in Siberia. Now, that doesn't sound like too much of a big problem. Oh. Scientists are concerned that as the permafrost melts, it's exposing ancient viruses that we have no immunity for. Sure. Yeah. No, every spring we deal with this because we get a lawn full of dog poop, <laughs> and then the spring comes, mm-hmm. and it just smells like thawing poo. Yeah, we call it poo season yep. here in, in Maine. <laughs> and every year, uh, you know, I tell myself, you know, you should really scoop that poop right. and toss it into the woods. And I will not do that no, ever. No, so, no. you know. So these viruses that are uh, thawing out, is it a danger? Is it a real danger? Is there really a thing as a zombie virus? It sounds like a blockbuster movie in the making. It does sound like a, a science fiction movie. The answer to the latter question is yes, there is such a thing Ooh. as a zombie Virus. In fact, they've discovered several new viruses over the past six or seven years. One is of special interest. They call it Pythovirus Sibiricum. It was named after the Greek Pythos, uh, which means large container. Uh, and there's a reason for this. As to the question of whether or not it's dangerous to humans, so far, no. It's very infectious, but only to amoebas. Oh, it doesn't seem to harm human cells at this point. The question, of course, is, are there viruses that do affect 
or infect humans uh, that are still frozen in the Siberian tundra. So the sample of Earth that the pythovirus was found in came from a hundred foot deep hole, um, a permanently frozen soil, which came from the tundra on the coast of Chakotka, which is near east, the eastern Siberian Sea. Okay. Exploration of the permafrost in Siberia is expected to increase dramatically over the next few years, not just because things are, are thawing out, but economics, of course. Uh, 30% of all of the oil and gold, oil reserves and gold deposits and other valuable minerals are in this area. So, of course, encountering a virus that humans have never encountered before mm. and have no immunity to is a real threat. Sure. Professor Jean-Michel Clavery from the National Center of uh, Scientific Research says, quote, the revival of viruses that are considered to have been eradicated, such as smallpox, whose replication process is similar to that of the pythovirus, is no longer limited to science fiction. The risk that this scenario could happen in real life has to be viewed realistically. Oh, wow. So this particular virus is the biggest one that they've ever found. I don't, I, I guess I don't understand what it means to be the biggest virus. Well, it's comparable in size to bacteria, to a bacterium, which is much larger than a virus. Oh, so like the virus. actual, like the actual virus that itself yeah. is large. Well, look at it this way. We didn't even know viruses existed uh, even as recently as like the the nineteen eighteen flu epidemic, mm -hmm. that's actually what helped lead us to discover viruses, uh, because we just didn't have the technology to see them at the time. Right. The microscopes at the time were not powerful enough. But this particular virus is so large you can see it with a regular microscope. Wow. So why does it being large creep me out more? <laughs> I don't know. Anything larger is creepy. So what is the best practice when you find a frozen virus in the permafrost in Siberia and you know nothing about it? Um, well, thaw it out and revive it. Bring yeah. it back to life. Yeah. yeah. So two years prior, Clavery's team learned that scientists in Russia had resurrected an ancient plant from fruits buried in 30,000-year-old Siberian permafrost. Whoa. If it was possible to revive a plant, he wondered if it was possible to revive a virus. Seems like very different outcomes, though. Like, what's your goal, sir? <laughs> yeah. Is it a plant or is it painful death? Yeah, yeah. So what they did was they, they used permafrost samples provided by the Russian team, and they fished, literally fished, for these giant viruses by using amoeba, the typical targets of these pathogens. Mm -hmm. They used it as bait. And the amoeba started dying. The team knew that they found giant virus particles inside them. Wow. Now, as I said, this particular virus really poses no danger to humans, although they did not know it before they thought it out. Right. But what makes this virus so unusual is, as I mentioned before, its size. It is so big that you can see it with a simple microscope. It's a giant virus. The python virus uh, dates back to a time 30,000 years ago where Neanderthals, mammoths, and early modern humans were roaming about. Since it's been revived, it's brought new fears that other potentially harmful viruses 
uh, could be released by thawing the tundra mm. in the Siberia. See, it makes me think of that episode of the X-Files. Do you remember that where they are cutting down trees and then uh, they go through this one tree in particular and like this green misty stuff comes oh, out of the tree. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That was, ugh, I, ugh. Watch, I don't I, like that at all. I want to watch the X-Files. Let's rewatch it. Yeah, let's do that. <gasps> well, we've got a vacation coming up. <laughs> That's true. It's been a while. <laughs> and we'd previously talked about Downton Abbey. So that would be a real fun mixture of <laughs> yeah. shows to incorporate into our weekend. The Downton X-Files Abbey. <laughs> um, so what's extremely remarkable about this particular ancient virus is that 60, not just the size of it, but 60% of its genes do not resemble anything currently found on the planet Earth. Oh, wow. The giant virus doesn't resemble any other known virus on the planet. The modern viruses of today are incredibly small mm -hmm. with just a few genes in them. The Python virus contains a huge amount of genes. In fact, over 500, which puts it in a new category of viral giant or megaviridae. And they are infectious when thawed from the Siberian deep freeze. Though they pose no danger to humans, Chantel Abergale, a scientist at the National Center of Scientific Research, said, quote, safety precautions should be taken when moving that amount of frozen earth. She told this to Live Science. Though viruses can't be said to be alive, the Siberian virus is functional and capable of infecting its host. Wow. She said she and her team are interested in studying the resurrected giant viruses to understand how this group evolved and how viral genetics could have influenced the evolution of cells. Viruses are incorporated into cells. The viral DNA sometimes become a permanent part of the cell's genome. And we've heard about that, mm -hmm. you know, like some of the like infections that Neanderthal uh, had at the time. In our DNA, there are traces of bacteria and viruses that uh, we got from interbreeding with Neanderthals who had been infected with these viruses mm -hmm. way back when. And now it's just part of who we are. And now it's part of our DNA. The, the researchers don't know when these giant viruses emerged on Earth, but they probably have roots in the very origins of DNA and RNA, she said. Wow. We're now at the stage where there are four families, four families of giant viruses that have been discovered within the last decade. Now, do you think that they were giant because there was a period of time where you had to be bulkier in order to survive? Like... Does it relate to the size of like, you know, dinosaurs, bigger trees and that that could possibly be <sighs> one of the reasons. But what's interesting is even though it is um, really huge by virus standards, mm -hmm. the genes inside and there are a lot of them are really compact. In other words, inside the virus, it's mostly empty. Oh, okay. And, and kind of like us, <laughs> the empty vase. So, yeah, scientists don't understand why it is so big and yet so empty. She goes on to say, we think there are so many genes which are unique to those genomes, and there are many things to learn from studying these genes. In a uh, BBC Radio interview on BBC Radio 4, they discussed how the Python virus is made out of different genetic material that uh, is currently unknown, or was at the time, and, it, and that suggested that it is without any common... They went on to say that when you find more and more of these giant viruses, it seems to point to some kind of multiple origin of life other than 
a single one, which is what is commonly believed mm-hmm. because they're made out of totally different genetic material in a way so that we really wonder where that's coming from. We don't see any trace of common history. The implications are huge. If life has multiple origins, what are they? And more interestingly, where did it come from? That is fascinating. Cleverly went on to say, in regards to this particular bacteria, um, virus, this giant virus that they've discovered, Mm -hmm. he said, quote, we don't understand anything anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's what science is all about. So there you have it. That is fascinating. Python virus. Wow. That is uh, not harmful. That we know of. It's probably of alien origin. I mean, that's what I oh, get yeah, from sure. this. Ancient alien theorists say yes. <coughs> Ancient alien theorists say gesundheit. <coughs> Allergies. So, freaks, don't forget the encore performance of our first looped show. You can uh, get your ticket on demand uh, starting 8 o'clock today, which is Monday the 19th of April, 2021. I'm talking to the future. Thank you. At this point. Mm-hmm. If you're, hey, future people, you missed it, okay? <laughs> just, want, just want to make sure you're aware of what you missed. But anyway, the um, you, can, you can watch it on demand at your own pleasure, your own time, uh, any time between... It's released at 8 p.m. on the 19th of April and the 28th at midnight of 28th of April. And we will be doing a new meet and greet as well, so you can you can get the VIP pack. All the details are available via our website, theboxofoddities.com. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. 
Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast.